Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So for this one, if we're looking for a cover provider, somebody would say, hey, why don't we get Elon Musk, right? He can cover it. And somebody would say, yeah, can you keep him quiet? And then we'd all like sit and look at each other and go, shit, that's not going to yeah, work. Yeah, that's not going to It'll know? be tweeted immediately. Yeah. It's like, right. right. Maybe Trump would keep it secret. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. I served in the CIA's clandestine service for 28 years, living undercover all around the world. And in my 33 years with the CIA, I served in Africa, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. Although we don't usually look at it this way, we created conspiracies. In our operations, we got people to believe things that weren't true. Now, we're investigating the conspiracy theories we see in the news almost every day. We'll break them down for you to determine whether they could be real or whether we're being manipulated. Welcome to Mission Impossible. Plausible. So, Comrade Cypher, how are you today? And, and I have a question for you. After 30 years of spending time fighting the, the Soviets and the Russians, who are worse, the Russians or the Soviets? <laughs> First of all, don't call me Comrade. I live there. I know what that means. And it depends whether you're talking about the, the Russian people or whatever, but in general, they're the same. That's the problem with Putin uh, and stuff is that he's just transferred the KGB culture to the new Russian society. And until they get past that, they've never really gotten past the Soviet days, is my take. I think what I'm going to talk about today is the thing that's commonly been referred to as the Jewish space laser stories. Well, this is a, a Marjorie Taylor Greene, a, a congresswoman sort of conspiracy. Who, and you know, she knows she was elected in 2020 as sort of right. part of the mega group right. of people and was a conspiracy theorist herself. So she believed in the QAnon theory and 9-11 hoaxes and satanic blood sacrifices and all right, these right. Kind, of, kind of things. She right, was right. with a tantric sex guru for a while. and Sex guru is one thing. What's a tantric sex guru? Tantric is a Hindu sex practice. And according to serious media reports, the guy she was having an affair with was a polyamorous tantric sex guru. And he now offers cuddle classes on his commune, by the way. So, okay, so you got tantric. Now, you just threw in polyantric. What's that? 
and for you guys that are listening, Jerry does this all the time. Like when we're doing our business or talk, he always throws in these big words. I'm a, I'm a closet sesquipedalianist. These are big words. Polyamory, someone who's not monogamous. Like some agency officers have been involved in. I, I could think of this. This is not a conspiracy. We actually had, I know of an officer who, who had two different wives in two different countries. This was back in the 60s. But he pulled that off until he died. It was one of the greatest operations, one of the greatest conspiracies, because neither wife knew about the other. And which caused a problem for people who then had to figure out who gets pensions and who gets paid and all that type of thing. I they did. And they, the, the two wives actually fought over who gets the body. And since I'm on it, Jesus. let's go into just for a second on CIA. Uh -oh. So when I was in, again, served a time in Africa, there was a, a Russian disinformation program called Operation Infection, which was a conspiracy to create a conspiracy theory to blame AIDS either on the CIA or the U.S. government. And in Central Africa, that caused the deaths of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, because part of the conspiracy was that AIDS was created by the CIA to kill Africans, and there was nothing they can do about it. And I remember talking to, to you know, Zimbabwean officials who were like, you guys really shouldn't have done that, but it's okay. And it was like, we didn't do it. <laughs> and yet, if you think about it, somewhere in Moscow, 30 guys did come into a room, close the door, pull out pens, and have a meeting on like, how are we going to create this conspiracy theory? But it is indeed true that the KGB created a false story from scratch. And so they created this story that the Pentagon and the CIA created the AIDS virus as a means to keep down what was then called the third world. And what they did to do that is they used some sources they had in India in the journalism newspaper business and put out this false story. And so this, it's, it's the same thing. The Jewish space laser canard... Now, if you want to look at the individual pieces, right. I think we, we can certainly do that, and I'm, I'd be up for it. But at the end of the day, if the question yeah. is, is there a Jewish space laser, and how would we build it a secret? And, and, and it would, I guess her point was, it's a secret, and she was revealing this secret. So if we were to do this, how would we build a secret space laser? But let's talk to people who understand whether, in fact, are there things that are set up today that could have ramifications and, and problems that, that we don't foresee. I do have a friend in Space Force, and there is concern that our opponents, and there's only basically two of them who are launching satellites, but are launching killer satellites with laser beams to disable our satellites. It makes a lot more sense just to have a killer satellite, a kamikaze satellite, but laser beams from satellites is not just our thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a there's anti-satellite technology. There can be missiles that are sent. Sure. From, like we used to have, you know, you take F-16 or F-15s and fly straight up in the air up high and then launch some sort of missile to aim at, say, a Chinese satellite. So in case of war, different organizations try to shoot down the other satellites because that's their eyes and ears. Right. And there's a U.S. government intelligence community agency called the NRO, National Reconnaissance Office, who's in charge of planning, buying, and placing our satellites in cooperation with NASA and Department of Defense and everything else. We do launch satellites and we don't tell people what they're about. So there's some of this is going to remain secret. And when anything is a secret, people love to talk about it. 
All right, Jerry, that's enough botanage. I just learned that word from Jerry today. It's time to introduce today's guest. So today we'd like to welcome Mike Rothschild. Good to have you here. Journalist, author, bon vivant of conspiracy theories. What what else, Mike? Wow, uh, any, anything French is yeah. uh, feels like an upgrade <laughs> for me. I've been studying the world of conspiracy theories for well over 10 years now, and my interest in them goes back much farther than that to the old Art Bell coast-to-coast AM radio show. But of course, in those days, it was UFOs and the face on Mars and maybe fluoride. Uh, you know, maybe you got some crank calling in about a militia or something. And, and now it's just everybody. And everybody's <laughs> aunt, everybody's grandma believes that the vaccine is poison or the election was stolen or the deep state runs the world through their central banks. And, it wasn't? Well, that's the subject of one of my next books. My next book is kind of where that idea comes from. I wrote the book in 2021 called The Storm is Upon Us, how QAnon became a movement cult and conspiracy theory of everything, studying the QAnon movement. My book coming out in September is called Jewish Space Lasers, <laughs> The Rothschilds and 200 Years of Conspiracy Theories. This is a good time to say I'm not related <laughs> to the Rothschild banking family. The actual Rothschilds don't discuss any of this, uh, which is one of the initial obstacles I had in writing the book. Can you just sort of explain to us what that belief or conspiracy is? Sure. And it's actually a little bit more complicated than you might initially expect. So, you know, the title of the book is Jewish Space Lasers, uh, based on this Facebook post by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, one of the first things I realized was she never uses that phrase. She doesn't even use the word Jewish in this Facebook post. Now, this Facebook post is crazy. It is like, solar generators and Pacific gas and electric and blue beams emanating from the forest. And oh, isn't it weird that Jerry Brown's wife owns forest land, blah, 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 blah. So this Facebook post by Marjorie Taylor Greene is specifically about the California wildfires in 2018. And it's how one of the board members of PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, where, you know, whose transformer sparked this horrible fire, it was also an investment banker at Rothschild Inc. And it's these typical conspiracy theory. Isn't it interesting? Or why is no one talking about this? Well, it's not actually that interesting. PG&E's entire board got fired. You know, Gavin Newsom came in and basically just cleaned house. They went bankrupt. There's no indication that any of this has any relation to anything. I mean, we really know what started that fire. But there is a tradition in these communities of forest fires are not a result of climate change. It's space lasers, it's directed energy weapons. So there are many, many other theories that claim that satellite-fired laser beams will start these fires. And of course, the evidence is that, well, it burned one house, but it didn't burn the house next to it. And so only targeting could be that specific. And well, the trees didn't burn down, but like the houses burned down. So they're clearly tree huggers. And this is a fundamental misunderstanding of how fire works works. And of course, you, you get this a lot in conspiracy. It's just the misunderstandings of basic tenets of life. You find this with central banking. People who think the Rothschilds own 180 central banks don't understand how central banking works. People who think that laser beams are starting forest fires don't understand. Fire is extremely unpredictable. It can burn down one house and not touch another house. Embers can go flying in a million different directions. Trees don't burn down or explode because they're full of water. It's just like basic, like fifth grade science stuff. But these people just are so desperate to believe that there's a war going on between good and evil and our forests are the battleground that they will completely suspend any ability to think beyond their own conspiracies. 
so people are talking a lot about Marjorie Taylor Greene's message, but I think we need to look this like dog's breakfast straight in the eye, right? Sort of to mix metaphors. And so now to do an actual dramatic reading of the Facebook post from Marjorie Taylor Greene, we have our favorite actress, Erin Hayes. As there are now over 70 people confirmed dead and over 1,000 missing, the fires in California are a horrific tragedy. I'm praying for all involved. I'm posting this in speculation because there are too many coincidences to ignore and just putting it out there from some research I've done stemming from my curiosity over PG&E stocks, which tanked all week, then rallied Thursday night after California official announced they would not let PG&E fail. I find it very interesting that Roger Kimmel on the board of directors of PG&E is also vice chairman of Rothschild Incorporated International Investment Banking Firm. I also find it interesting the long history of financial contributions that PG&E has made to Jerry Brown over the years and millions spent in lobbying. What a coincidence it must be that Governor Brown signed a bill in September 2018 protecting PG&E and allowing PG&E to pass off its cost of fire responsibility to its customers in rate hikes and through bonds. It also must be just a coincidence that the fires are burning in the same projected areas that the $77 billion high-speed rail project is to be built, which also happens to be Governor Brown's pet project. And what are the odds that Feinstein's husband, Richard Bloom, is the contractor to the rail project? Geez, with that much money, we could build three U.S. southern border walls. Then, oddly, there are all these people who have said they saw what looked like lasers or blue beams of light causing the fires and pictures and videos. I don't know anything about that, but I do find it really curious. PG&E's partnership with Solarin on space solar generators starting in 2009. They announced the launch into space in March 2018 and maybe even put them up before that. Space solar generators collect the sun's energy and then beam it back to Earth to a transmitter to convert electricity. The idea is clean energy to replace coal and oil. If they're beaming the sun's energy back to Earth, I'm sure they wouldn't ever miss a transmitter receiving station, right? I mean, mistakes are never made when anything new is invented. What would that look like anyway? Hmm? A laser beam or light beam coming down to Earth, I guess. Could that cause a fire? Hmm, I don't know. I hope not. That wouldn't look so good for PG&E, Rothschild Incorporated, Solarin, or Jerry Brown, who sure does seem fond of PG&E. Good thing for Solarin that Michael Peavy is on their board, since he is a former president of California Public Utilities Commission, California's most powerful energy regulatory agency. Great connections right there. Also, I will say whoever was able to buy that PG&E stock at the bottom before that announcement was made when stocks rallied sure did well on their investment. Wonder how you get privy to that kind of info. Chin scratching emoji. You must have to know somebody, right? Hmm, seems like there's a lot of connected people in this crowd. And with these space solar generators, I really hope they have very good aim beaming the sun's power down to Earth. But what do I know? 
I just like to read a lot. Shrugging emoji. Yeah, I have to say, though, there's more words there than I would have expected. You know, rather than just spitting some stupid thing out, she tries to make it sound like there's something there, that, that there's yeah, more no. to this than I think we believe there was. It's not bumper sticker stupid. It's like Gettysburg Address stupid. Yeah, I agree. We got to take a break now, and we'll be back with Mike Rothschild in just a minute. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. She didn't mean to launch the Jewish conspiracy theory when she wrote it, did she? I mean, it was it was just sort of this is something that was found ex post facto. Oh, yeah. No, she I mean, when she posted this on Facebook, nobody knew who she was. She was just some CrossFit lady. She didn't even become a politician until she ran in the Georgia House race in 2020. Nobody knew who she was at that time. There was no reason for anybody to think anything about this post. She clearly got this from somewhere. 
Did she just make this up or what was her source material for this? I don't know what her specific source material was. I'm not sure if that's really knowable. Mm. There were a lot of conspiracy theories going around about the fire. And you've seen this before. It's kind of a typical thing where somebody will take a picture of a fire and then there's like a weird shaft of light and they go, oh, that's a laser beam. That's the deep state. That's the directed energy weapon. You know, the the space-based solar generators, that was a real company. It's called Solarin. They were actually working on a project, I think, with PG&E to launch one of these satellites that would be able to transmit power. They never launched it. They couldn't get the funding for it. So you're taking something that there is a small core of truth to it and loading it down with all of these ridiculous, irrelevant, unprovable details. What is the reality? Is there a possibility that a satellite that directs energy back to Earth that's supposed to be captured in some fashion could cause a fire? Is that possible? I don't know that it can cause a fire because I don't think it works on lasers. I think it works on radio waves. It's still very theoretical. And of course, this satellite never launched. The most likely thing is that she just got it from somebody who got it from somebody probably on Reddit or Twitter or somebody's Facebook post. I mean, it's the old chain letters, you know, or the chain emails, you know, forward, 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 forward. My aunt saw a rocket launch and blah, blah, blah. She was a QAnon person before she even talked about the Rothschild space lasers. Is there any connection between them other than someone who wants to see conspiracies? Uh, Yeah, it's really just somebody who is so into that mindset that if you believe one, you're going to believe more than one. Her post was 2018 summer 2018, and it wasn't discovered until January 21. But she was really into that. And there's all kinds of other posts where she's talking about Islamophobic conspiracy theories, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. She's a 9-11 truther. Uh, She's a big pharma truther. So there's no surprise. There's no reason why you wouldn't throw in a space laser to that, because why not? It's not like the barrier to entry for belief is particularly high. Jerry and I have lived in countries that regularly believe things. We, we, In fact, we've dealt with professionals in other security services who have these crazy beliefs about what they think we're up to or we, we have done. There's got to be something that, that makes this something that's comfortable for people. I mean, conspiracy theories have existed since the very beginning. We are hardwired to see danger in things we don't understand and to see patterns in things that seem random. Go back to the great fire of Rome. There were people watching the fire going, yeah, Nero did this to consolidate his power, to get rid of his enemies or whatever it is. Although Nero, Nero blamed the Christians for that, right? Right. right? right. It, they were the, the Jews of the time, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's always going to be a need to blame somebody else for something that you don't quite understand. And conspiracy theories have an international flavor. Everybody believes something weird they can't prove. And sometimes it curdles into conspiracy and sometimes it curdles into hate. You know, for Jewish space lasers, I watched and read a number of media sources from countries that don't even have Jewish populations that blame the Rothschilds for things. There is a, a quite a bit of anti-Semitism in Japan and China. So Mike, specifically though on Jewish space lasers, who's now behind this? Who's, who's pushing it and why do you think that is? Well, for the Marjorie Taylor Greene theory specifically, it was done to cleared forest land for a high-speed rail boondoggle. And, you know, Jerry Brown is supposedly involved. Diane Feinstein is supposedly involved. It's, it is, of course, a vast conspiracy, but it's all done to further the green agenda, the environmentalist agenda, done through the destruction of the environment, ironically. Is this something that has started other fires Why just the California fire? Are there other things that have happened because of these lasers? 
Yeah, there there are specifically these theories about the California fires. But I think anytime you get a large scale forest fire, and of course, California's had this huge problem over the last 10 or 15 years of these constant wildfires. But I'm see, I've seen things even about the Canada wildfires of this summer. You also have a general subset of kind of weather control theories. So you have a lot of theories that they are doing cloud seeding. You have theories that the HARP array in Alaska, the high energy atmospheric research array, that's used to create earthquakes or lightning storms or nuclear accidents. It becomes very unscientific very quickly. There is a subset of theories that they are controlling the weather. They are faking climate change, using these weapons to manipulate us. And the forest fire lasers, they become part of a bigger, grander plot because there's always a bigger, grander plot behind all of these. They're going to put the dissenters in the camps. They're going to destroy our cities and and destroy our golf courses. They're going to take our gas stoves away and plow everything into bike lanes. They're terrified that their way of life is going to be taken away from them. So conspiracy theories and paranoia are always going to be part of a free society. So the paranoia of a free society is the price we pay for a free society. But who we blame, who we scapegoat, that does tend to be very cyclical. Quick question again on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Do you see any strategy in what she's doing? And has she changed over time? She hasn't changed. And you can tell by how she's reacted to when these allegations come up. You know, at first it was, oh, I didn't know the Rothschilds were Jewish. Okay. I I mean, sure. But then she'll say, well, you know, I'm not anti-Semitic. I have Jewish friends. The the real anti-Semites are the people calling me anti-Semitic. Again, it's that reversal of who is the actual person with the problem here. Luckily, we happen to have a clip of her doing just that. This was your post under your name. Yeah. And you, you're talking about the Rothschild family, which has been at the center of anti-Semitic conspiracies I have, I did since not the know 19th that. century. I have no idea. I'm telling you, I very much, what is this, 20 what? 2018. Okay. Regular American, never been in politics. Could not even have told you most people in back in politics or families' names don't know their back. But now that you do know. That now that you're a member of Congress and now that you've been told uh, this, people don't care. <laughs> well don't care the anti anti Semitism is on the rise in an I alarming rate. That's anti Semitism. So, you're not you're mixing two things together. You're accusing me of something I did not do and then you're trying to blame me for anti Semitism. I am not blaming you on saying you are such a liar, you need to stop. Now In terms of, is there a strategy with this? Does she put any thought behind this? There is a, I think, a misguided belief that she's just stupid, that she has no idea what she's doing. I don't think that's true at all. Now, I think she's an uneducated and incurious person. I don't think she has a super long reading list, but I don't think she's dumb at all. I think she's very savvy about social media and she knows what is going to get passed around. So maybe she learned from that original post, which became huge. Yes. And therefore, she realized, oh, my goodness, I got a following from this. Let me double down on this. Totally. She could have said, well, that, you know, I didn't mean any of that. That was just a dumb thing I said. I don't feel that way at all. It doesn't represent me. But she's a conspiracy theorist. It's not the the quiet backbencher who, you know, just quietly votes in line with the party. It's her. It's Lauren Boebert. It's Matt Gates. It's the ones who are out there saying the dumbest stuff all the time, getting attention for it. Attention means votes means donations, means a bigger role in the party, means a bigger voice. So, Mike, really appreciate you coming by. 
And now over to our producer, John Stern, who has some interesting facts to force feed us on. Well, one of the things I did for my research is I talked to someone who knows more than me. He's a science communicator who has a channel on YouTube. So here's my conversation with him. My name is Trace Dominguez. I've been a science communicator now for a bit over a decade. I make YouTube videos, podcasts, television shows about science and education. And I have my own YouTube channel called Uno Dose of Trace. And we recently launched a podcast called That's Absurd, Please Elaborate. So space lasers, there's been this idea that you can fire things in space like a laser and it hits something else and it explodes. Getting things into space is quite expensive. Most people do ride sharing, where you would divide the launch into a bunch of different clients and you would hitch a ride together to space. Once it's in space, the person responsible or the state responsible for launching the thing is responsible for it not breaking other things in space and not getting in the way of those other things. And that is all governed by, I think, my favorite named treaty, the Treaty on Principles Governing the Activities of States in the Exploration and Use of Outer Space, including the Moon and other celestial bodies, which is just shortened to the Outer Space Treaty. So you can't like launch a private satellite that shoots lasers. Uh, one, because we're not allowed to weaponize space. Well, it actually specifically says not nuclear weapons in space. There are weapons in space, allegedly, although no one has admitted to it. But you can't launch lasers into space and then not have anyone know about it. Because once it's up there, anyone can see it and anyone can tell that it's communicating back to the planet. And we know that because of the electromagnetic spectrum, which you can't hide from. It costs a certain amount of money to launch that satellite. How much does it cost to build the satellite? I mean, you're talking probably some of the most expensive satellites that we can have because you need very precise targeting systems. Shooting things from space to Earth, it's really far. Lasers don't work that way. Lasers are, are light energy. They, they can be used to cut things very, very close because it uses heat energy that builds up in the material. But shooting something through a vacuum, then into an atmosphere, you're going to hit those atoms and those atoms are going to start to absorb the energy from that immediately, especially if you have it at such a concentrated point. I did look up the most powerful laser in the world. It's the Zetawatt equivalent ultra short pulse laser system, which is sort of cheating at acronyms, but it's the Zeus, uh, and it produces a, this extremely powerful pulse of laser, but it's only 25 femtoseconds, which is a quadrillionth of a second. As I recall, when Reagan was trying to build the Star Wars defense program, that was lasers that would shoot down missiles being launched from Russia. The way the satellite lasers would work was actually going to be a nuclear explosion in space that was create the energy beam that would shoot down. It's not the best plan. What I compared it to when I was thinking about this is transmission of power, like power uh, as in electricity. And recently, actually, there was a successful team that was able to beam energy from space to the ground. And they did this using microwaves. So they installed a 10 gigahertz microwave beam, about 1.6 kilowatts of power. That is a, a ridiculously low amount relative to what you would need to damage somebody with a laser. I think you can buy kilowatt lasers on Amazon. So it's, uh, you know, not a lot of power. Well, thank you for talking with me, Trace. So, John, I know you've done some research on this. So the first question I assumed you'd ask me was how much it costs to launch a satellite. SpaceX charges about $62 million per launch to low Earth orbit. 
which is $1,200 per pound. So a small satellite could be as cheap as $150,000 if you're ride sharing with other satellites. However, the kind of satellite we're talking about would not go into low Earth orbit. It would have to go into geostationary orbit, which is 22,300 miles, and it would be so large that it probably couldn't ride share. Long story short, we'd be looking at probably closer to three or 400 million. That's just a launch. The most recent military GPS satellites were $250 million each. A typical weather satellite could be $290 million. I would say that the satellite we're talking about is even more complicated. The closest thing to this kind of satellite that actually is in development would have gigantic solar arrays, collect solar energy, convert it to electricity, beam that electricity to Earth via microwave where it would be converted back into electricity. So used entirely as a clean power source. The Department of Energy has been figuring out these solar energy satellites and put the figure between 500 million and 1 billion for a single satellite. So we're talking real, real money here, John. We're talking like five to $10 billion to start a forest fire. By the way, this is, these satellites are great ideas. On uh, March 3rd, this year, 2023, there was a successful demonstration of something called MAPLE microwave array for power transfer low orbit experiment. It was built by Caltech as part of their space solar power project. It was very low energy, like Jeb Bush, if you were, <laughs> but it worked. It powered two LED lights on Earth. So given all of that, John, what is your takeaway from this? It is a technical near future reality but it would be really, really expensive. If you're trying to do this to make money, like to clear a path for the bullet train, then you have to uh, weigh that against the cost. You know, maybe it's, it's not a bad idea. 1978, Superman, the motion picture had a version of this where Lex Luthor was going to create an earthquake. So the real estate he had bought up on the east side of the San Andreas Fault would suddenly be valuable. So it's not the craziest idea. But it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's up there. Well, thank you, John. That was enlightening. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to seek to figure this all out with our other producer, Adam Davidson. Hey, guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back. And this season, we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. 
It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So now we're going to chat with our other producer, who also doubles as Jerry's polyamorous tantric sex guru, uh, Adam Davidson. <laughs> this is the one I am the most curious about of all the conspiracy theories. I am a Jew. <laughs> And the whole idea of Jewish space lasers is is pretty amazing. So you, you are Jewish, but you're claiming you know nothing about this. About laser halal Yehudi? Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> That's what we call it in Hebrew. <laughs> All right. I have a bunch of questions. All right. Okay. Okay. Is the conspiracy really that Jews built a laser, put it in outer space so they could start forest fires? Is that the conspiracy? <laughs> The shortened version of that is, yeah, that the Jews have a space laser that they can cause havoc with. I assume George so, Soros has one as well. That goes without saying. Well, I guess that would be a question. Like, what are the Jews? Like, is it a group of Jews or is it all the Jews? But leaving that aside, I still don't understand. Would that be the way I would think, oh, I know a good way to start a forest fire. But I am asserting to you that I was not involved. I have not. <laughs> all right. Let me ask you a few questions. Did you find out how much it costs. We did, in fact. Our other actual hardworking producer, John Stern, gave us some data. You're talking billions, but that's if you do it in the normal way. If, however, you do it in the government, like we're from the CIA, everything costs more because it has to be secret. So if the CIA were to do it, I would say it would cost five times as much. So let's say I hired you guys. Let's say I had a billion or 10 billion, whatever it has to be. And I said, guys, here's the budget. <laughs> Walk me through the steps, not the actual, because I know you have zero idea how to actually build a laser or even <laughs> find someone who knows how to build a laser, but the clandestine part, let's say we're doing this conspiracy. Let's do it. You have to have a cover story 
for what you're doing. Our cover story, let's say it's a weather satellite that we're putting up there. And so what we would look for probably is a company that can provide the cover to be doing something similar. So it would hide the fact that the CIA or the Jews or whoever was behind the actual I like how you deployment. pretend those are two different groups. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And would that be an active, co- like an actual company? Like we'd go to Boeing or would, and say, hey, can you help us out? Or would we create a company? Either one. Well, do you recall it sort of was called the Glomar Explorer, which was a ship that was made to, the cover reason was to explore underwater mining on the, on the sea bottom. But in fact... It was a CIA effort to bring up a Soviet sub that had sunk to the bottom in the Pacific Ocean. So in that process, what the CIA did is it went to Howard Hughes, who had a private company, so without sort of public investors and things. He provided the cover because he was mildly insane and had billions of dollars that he was interested in mining deep sea nodules. And then under that cover, the CIA built this ship that would go out and then bring up this Soviet submarine from three miles deep in the, in the ocean. And, so and everything so, is more complicated. <laughs> right. Everything's more expensive. And very few people can actually know what the actual, even the people involved in the project don't know what it's there for. Because the more people you have who are involved, the more likely it is that your real reason, the real thing you've got is going to appear in Marjorie Taylor Breen. But that brings up, like what goes to my mind. So there's all sorts of procurement people who are in charge with buying stuff. There's probably, I think they call it an ERP, an enterprise resource planning software systems. You actually need to connect the conspiracy with the real world. And I would guess if it's Boeing or a company like that, you're probably talking about hundreds of people, thousands of people who could potentially see it. What's the most people you would want to know about it? Like one, two, three, each person exponentially Mm -hmm. increases the odds of it, right? In reality, it would be thousands would have to know what's going on, and they'd all have to be willing to keep the secret and not, not go to the press. Now, the, the secret within the secret within the secret also is if you're putting a, something up that's a space laser, the Russians and the Chinese, they're going to be looking really closely at this thing. And so maybe if it's a weather satellite, it's actually going to have to really be a weather satellite that poof can do something else. So you're, it's going to have to be like sort of two satellites in one. So it gets exponentially more difficult and more expensive. So as John mentioned to us, there there are people exploring the way that satellites might be able to provide energy back to the earth, right? So, so they could be collecting sun rays to create energy, which then could be beamed back to earth to be used as energy on earth. And so it would have it, probably the best cover for this thing would be mostly true. So and is the, right. are these so, the steps you guys have done conspiracies? Obviously, that's the whole friggin' point of this podcast. Like, are these the steps? And and specific yes. examples would be great, just especially classified, because so, that just adds a little <laughs> frisson. Well, the thing with a, consp- with a real conspiracy that separates a conspiracy from a conspiracy is a real conspiracy is like, yeah, there are meetings upon meetings upon meetings. People go into a boardroom and sit down and pull out a whiteboard and go, okay, what have we got to do? And then things like, what's our budget? And then to be quite frank, it's like, yeah, am I going to get promoted out of this, right? I mean, is this a 10-year thing? And so you're going to have like tens of thousands of people involved in this thing. The US government 
sometimes, rarely can keep secrets, right? I mean, we're discussing some of the- Tell me a couple. Like, like what do you know that's- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prove and, it. The only see, way you can and, prove it is by sharing a secret that hasn't been made public. So for this one, if we're looking for a cover provider, we like, somebody would say, hey, why don't we get Elon Musk, right? He can cover it. And somebody would say, yeah, can you keep him quiet? And then we'd all like, sit and look at each other and go, shit, that's not going to yeah, work. Yeah, that's not good. You It'll know? be tweeted like, immediately. It's yeah. like, right. right. Maybe Trump would keep it secret. Yeah. <laughs> even, uh, even the act of asking Elon Musk, would yeah. you do this, could blow everything, right? Right, right. But the other piece of it, I'm assuming, like at a very base level, and this doesn't require like the CIA and conspiracies and all the Jews, it's just anything you do, there's a sort of an implicit What's the least complicated, easiest, cheapest way to do it? Like if I want to, my wife and I are talking about building a screened in porch, like building a screen around our outdoor porch. I suppose I could try and jerry rig some satellite system that would shoot a screen down to our porch. But probably what we'll do is get some quotes and, you know, we'll want a good one. We won't just go with the cheapest one, but we'll go with the one that is meets our needs with the least amount of <laughs> extraneous stuff. Right. That's like a basic part of when human beings do anything. Well, what, what the conspiracy theory mind misses is when it talks about deep state or the government or the Jews, the same laws of physics that apply to their life apply to everything else as well. What is simplest, what is cheapest, um, shit doesn't work, people quit, uh, no one can keep their mouth shut, incompetent people get involved, you know. Yeah, look at this podcast. Bosses. Yeah. There's a whole other bucket, which is why would you do it? And I don't feel like you're, I'm just going to be honest and I don't want to offend you. You are not convincing me that this is a good idea, that the Jews really focus the kind of energy and, well, literally focus energy, but also spend the time, spend the money on this project. You are not convincing yeah. well, me. Well, you clearly didn't pay attention again to John Stern, our excellent producer, when he reminded us of the Superman movie where the bad guy That's was Lex true. Luthor, I forget who that, it was. I was, I was used a similar sort of thing to, to cut off a part of California so that there would be a new coastline that could, the people who had houses that were on the east side of the mountains now were the ones that were on the coast and they had, and we all know that that's what the Jews want is to make themselves even richer. I think that is, think the, yeah. When I lived in Baghdad, a major rumor was that Jews were coming to, <laughs> and buying up all the real estate. This is true, I swear. You would hear this all the time. Because people want to live and in they, And I kept wanting to say, like, have you been to Tel Aviv? Like, no one is. <laughs> leaving <laughs> this beautiful Mediterranean oceanside lovely town for Baghdad. I'm just telling Baghdad is not I, no one on I, earth I, wants to live in Baghdad who isn't right. from Baghdad. I, I spent a year in Baghdad. I'm telling you, I was never tempted to look for retirement property on <laughs> yeah. the tide. So all right. So I do in the in the great tradition of conspiracy theories, I have a way to justify all of this. The very fact Excellent. that it's so expensive. The very fact that it's so ostentatiously, absurdly inappropriate for, to solve any problem, the very fact that it requires so much secrecy is exactly why they would do it. The very fact that it makes no sense to do it is exactly why they obviously did it. It's like when a billionaire buys a painting for $100 million, they're not buying it to tell you, oh, I think this painting for $100 million is going to be worth $100 million. 80 million in a few years. They're buying it to say, I'm so friggin' rich, I can just 
lose a hundred million and it makes no difference. And isn't that exactly why the Jews should build a space laser? Precisely because of all the reasons it makes no sense to build a space laser. You don't build the Hoover Dam if no one knows you built the Hoover Dam. You don't build the pyramids if no one knows you built the pyramids. We need it to get out, but we need plausible deniability. We need a good patsy. Hey, there's this Ooh. exercise instructor Ooh. in suburban Atlanta who I think we could really work with. Inflection have you ever seen point. a picture of her tantric sex guru? <laughs> I have not. I have not. Looks surprisingly like Jerry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but leaving that aside, I still don't understand. Would that be the way I would think, oh, I know a good way to start a forest fire? I, but, I don't know. I, I think I would just throw a match on the ground in the forest myself. I'm just oh, saying. Well, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. A book of matches. What, what would that cost? What do a book of matches cost these days? <laughs> You usually could pick some up at a restaurant along with some mints. I'll be honest with you. That is that is my biggest concern about this, that you used to be able to get them everywhere. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> old enough to remember, but now I... Maybe that's well, why this know, happened, are, because it was so hard to find matches. That, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and you I know, if you use did. a lighter, if you try to put it down to burn, you burn your thumbs. And, and, and you know, Adam, what is the difference between a hippo and a zippo? Oh, One is very heavy, and the other's a little lighter. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I want the conspiracy theory for how you decided that was worth sharing. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.